and welcome to the third episode of our RNI Spotlight podcast, where we discuss topical insolvency issues. I'm Lucy Trott, the Senior Knowledge Lawyer in the Finance Restructuring and Insolvency team. And today I'm joined by partner and practice group head, David Steinberg. Our topic for today is the CVA and where are we now with it? So our discussion today focuses on the Company Voluntary Arrangement, or CVA, which until relatively recently had been the restructuring tool of choice for many businesses, particularly in the retail and casual dining sectors. However, in more recent times, post-pandemic, the popularity of the CVA has been in sharp decline. Recent statistics show that there were just 29 CVAs registered in the third quarter of 2022, compared to 89 in the same period in 2019, so before the pandemic. So, David, why do you think the CVA was so popular in the first place? Well, Lucy, the CVA is a very effective procedure for companies looking to restructure their debts and obligations in a formal contractual arrangement with their creditors. It's flexible in duration and in its terms. It can be adapted to suit businesses large and small. Crucially, there's no court involvement in the approval process, assuming that there is no formal challenge by any creditor. And so a CVA can be implemented relatively quickly and cheaply, which lends itself well to businesses which are in dire financial straits. Now, one of the main drawbacks of the CVA is that it can't compromise secured creditors without their consent. So the CVA tends to suit businesses with large unsecured debt obligations, such as commercial rent under leases. That's one of the primary reasons that we saw CVA so heavily utilised by big ticket retailers and casual dining outlets prior to the pandemic, such as Debenhams, Pizza Hut and House Fraser. You may recall that a number of these CVAs came in for some criticism and faced challenges in court for their treatment of commercial landlords, some of whom claimed that they were unfairly treated by the terms of the compromise under the CVA. Yeah, that's right. And following a number of court challenges, the Insolvency Service commissioned research to gather evidence on this issue, looking at 59 CVAs proposed by large businesses in retail, hospitality and the food and beverage industries. The research showed that landlords were compromised in 93% of large business CVAs, which is significantly more than any other category of creditor. However, the level of compromise for landlords in terms of their overall debt compared favourably with other key categories of creditors, such as intercompany creditors, local authorities and HMRC. Overall, the report found that landlords are equitably treated compared to other classes of unsecured creditors, and that the return to creditors, including landlords in the relevant alternative, which is usually a formal insolvency procedure, was significantly less than under the CVA proposals reviewed. The report noted that it is possible that the level of compromise to landlords could be understated, however, because landlords are often forced to accept other compromises on the terms of their leases, not just the level of their rent. And that obviously could not be quantified for the purpose of the the research. However, overall, the report concluded that the CVA offers a flexible and cost-effective solution that bridges the gap between informal negotiations and more formal insolvency procedures. So it seems that there is still life in the old CVA yet. But why, David, do you think that CVAs are still low in number in recent times? Well, I think with the onset of the pandemic and then emerging from it, businesses have been forced to adapt a new way of working hybrid working and reduced high street footfall have meant that many businesses have reduced their physical presence in terms of office and retail space and have moved towards online working. 
without an obvious body of legacy unsecured debt, such as commercial rent, to compromise, struggling businesses may have less reason to consider utilising a CVA. Another potential nail in the coffin, I think, for the CVA has been the reintroduction of Crown preference at the end of 2020. Since then, HMRC has enjoyed secondary preferential status for certain tax debts, such as VAT and national insurance. Now, arguably, this makes it more difficult for businesses to launch CVAs, as once preferential creditors have been paid in full, there may simply not be much left in the pot to entice unsecured creditors to support a CVA. Another point to consider is that businesses with historic rent debts may until recently have been embroiled in rent arbitrations with landlords using the bespoke scheme introduced by the Commercial Rent Coronavirus Act 2020. That scheme encouraged landlords and tenants of viable businesses to reach a compromise on rent arrears arising during the pandemic, but it would likely in practice to pave the way for a discussion around future rent obligations as well, and may therefore have resulted in compromises being reached without the need for a CVA. So in the backdrop of dwindling numbers, changing consumer habits and an increased menu of restructuring options, including, of course, the new restructuring plan under SEGA 2020, do you think there's still a future for the CVA? Well, Lucy, I think it would be easy to dismiss the CVA on the current restructuring landscape, given that there are more restructuring tools available than ever before. But each of those have their own disadvantages and advantages. The benefits of a CVA, for example, are the ability for management to remain in control, the possibility to stay out of court altogether, assuming, again, there are no creditor challenges, and therefore the potential to keep a real lid on costs. Costs are a key factor for many businesses looking to restructure, particularly for SMEs. Here, the CVA has the edge over schemes of arrangement and the new Part 26A restructuring plan both of which involve two court hearings and a large volume of supporting evidence to be prepared to persuade the court firstly to convene creditor meetings in the first place and then to sanction the plan following the creditor's vote. A CVA can also be combined with the new Part A1 moratorium or launched within administration in order to give a breathing space to conclude negotiations on key CVA terms before the CVA is formally launched. That's all really interesting. Good points. Thank you, David. Um, with the uptake of the restructuring plan still relatively low, particularly in the SME field, I do suspect there's still a place for the CVA for smaller businesses facing financial difficulties and looking to implement a quick and cheap operational restructuring. For companies with lots of unsecured debt in particular, such as those that are heavily reliant on shareholder funding, intercompany loans or undersecured debt, the CVA will remain a useful tool with clear endorsement from the insolvency service and also from the courts. Well, that was a really interesting discussion. Thank you, David. Um, next time on the RI Spotlight podcast, uh, I will be joined by Tim Carter and we'll be discussing the freestanding moratorium and how it might be used most effectively. Tune in next time and do get in touch in the meantime with any feedback or other burning topics that you would like us to cover. 